This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. What is your name? Let me think about that for a moment. It's Rosie Moltari. And what is your primary role in the Line Dance community? Well, right now, for the last couple of years, is as an event director. Um, I run an event called New York State of Line in the Catskill Mountains in New York. It's about 90 minutes north of New York City. But I've been teaching line dancing, and in January it will be 24 years. Uh, and I, um, I teach all different levels, but I've become known as someone as a, you know, that enjoys working with uh, beginners. And uh, so I decided to embrace that, even though I always wanted to be on the dance circuit to do lots of things. I enjoy working with beginners, so I, I do a lot of um, the program, the beginner programs at major events like the Marathon and, and Big Bang over here at Windy City, so it's, it's fun. It's fun. What can you tell me about the unique atmosphere at New York State of Line? I've heard a lot of things about how intimate it can be and how it's um, more personal, there's more included. What, what can you tell me about how it came to be the way that it is now? Okay, well, I've had it for three years, but uh, prior to that, there was a gentleman named Tim Gillis who had a country band. He, he ran a weekend for 25 years. And for the last 12 years, I worked for him and eventually became his co-director in the last five years. So what our weekend, I'm not, I never say it's better than other weekends. It's just different in that most weekends when you go to it, you go for the, your lessons, you pay your fee for the lessons. And then you book your room, whether it's at the host hotel, like a, a Hilton or a Sheridan, or you, you know, uh, go to another hotel, or some people commute. Ours is what they call an all-inclusive event. It has uh, the, the regular dance lessons, but the hotel serves meals, and it's a it's a five-star resort. So it's you have a spa available to you, you know, an indoor pool. It's just really, really beautiful. And um, because of that, it's a different. It's like apples and oranges to other events. You pay a, a fee, an event fee, to me, uh, and then the hotel would get the uh, the balance at, on your arrival. That would include, if you come for two nights, it includes seven meals, including our cocktail party with an open bar for two hours, which a lot of people like. It's very funny when we do the lessons after the open bar, too. It's a lot of fun. Um, and um, like I say, so it's included in um, this one price. And if you have more than one person in the room, the, the cost goes down. You know, the food is the same for everybody, but what changes the price is uh, the type of room because we have a smaller room and we have the large executive rooms. Uh, and then, um, if you have two people in a room, it'll cost maybe fifty dollars more than when you have three people in a room, etc., like that. So, um, but what what I like about it is everybody gets to know each other because we all have all our meals together. When you're at an event, no matter where you're at. They most of them will give you an hour for lunch or you know two hours for dinner. But then where are you eating? You're either eating in the hotel or you're trying to get a shuttle to the local mall or walking someplace to have a meal. When you come to an event too that's large, you have to wait in line to get into the ballroom to find a seat. What we do, and quite honestly, we spoil our dancers. I personally assign every room in the hotel in the resort 
So if you like a room near the elevator, if you like a room with a view of the mountain, if you like a view of the water, if you want to be near the exit because you're a smoker, if you uh, want to be near your friend, if you don't want to be near your friend, I arrange all of that. And um, the rooms are, like I say, two different sizes, the smaller and the larger. The smaller ones are closer to the center, so they're closer to the activity. The larger rooms are further away, but they have the more, um, you know, more amenities in the room. Uh, and then when we come down to eat, all the tables are set, I, I assign all the seating. So when it's time to eat, every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is 90 minutes. When you come down, whether you come down at the beginning of it or at the end of it, you know you're going to sit, like say for instance, I say, Christopher, you and Megan are on table 12. When you come down, you just walk over to table 12, there's your seat. And your meal, or all buffet, eat as much as you want. And uh, on Sunday, our final lunch, we have a plated dinner and we dance during the meal. We have a big dance floor in the dining room and we dance. Um, and, you know, so everybody knows they have a place to sit. And the staff is there with you. They're all in the, in the dining room with you. So everybody gets to know each other. If you come with the, the table seat from 8 to 12, if you come with a big group, you're sitting with your group. If there's only two or three of you, you're sitting with people that I place you with that you're going to become friends with. And, you know, so I set up all the tables. It's kind of like setting up an Italian wedding. Mm. Who likes this one? Who doesn't like that one? Put me near the window. Put me near the door. Same thing as the room. So I do that. Then... When you go on Friday night to see the demos or Saturday night when you see the show, you walk into the big ballroom and just like here, we have you know three or four rows of chairs on all four sides. You have a seat assigned. Huh. I set up a map that looks like Carnegie Hall where we have it all sectioned off from letter A to letter P and all the seats. And if you're on table 12, Christopher, you might be in section M and there's 12 seats that say number 12. You walk over there and you sit and you have your seat. So nobody waits online at our event. I like so, that. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's work on my part, but it gets easier as people come back because they want the same room, they want the same table, you know that type of thing. And I've been very fortunate in my first year. Uh, I don't know if it's because it was my new year or whatever. Um, you know, we sold out in July, and I was like, "Whoa, is this a fluke?" Because it was in November. Second year I sold out in March, and this year I sold out again in March. So. Um, I'm, I'm limited to 400 people. That's the thing. As it is a resort, I can't have a lot of people. And, you know, we, we just have a certain amount of rooms to fill. So that's the downside. But the upside is it's a very personalized, uh, you know, experience for people. And it's like a family reunion every year because there are people that have literally been coming for over 20 years. Yeah. You know, so it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Sounds like a personal touch I haven't heard even anything close to in other events. It's kind of like a cruise without leaving any, you know, like if you don't, if you get seasick, it's like, you know, everybody eats on the same table on a cruise ship and such, that's what it's like. And the food is that good. We have a gourmet chef and uh, he also, I find out who's gluten-free, who's a vegan, and they have food for those people. They go out and they get almond milk for the vegans. I mean, it's just wonderful. They're very, very easy to work with. So, very personalized service, yeah. You mentioned you've worked a lot with beginners. How do you find beginners? How do you keep beginners? And are there any special tips and tricks that really help them integrate steps into their body so that they are learning unfamiliar things deeply? I hear you. I know what you're saying. Uh, It's very interesting. When you're working with beginners, I mean, depending on if they have any background in dance or they just, you know, saw us doing it someplace and want to learn it, 
I, I really try to explain when I'm teaching, I don't want to teach you a dance, I want to teach you how to dance. But at the same time, I have my limitations. They understand I don't have a background in dance. As a kid, I used to watch American Bandstand growing up. <laughs> I like to dance, and I, I'm a visual learner, and I could kind of copy people, but I don't have a background in dance. What I do have a background, though, is in fitness. I uh, have been a certified fitness instructor for almost 40 years. In addition to that, I'm a gerontologist, so I know a lot about the body and kinesiology. So when I approach um, someone that's learning to dance, I talk about the biomechanics of what's happening, but in a fun way. I don't want it to be that technical. But And also, to be honest, the people that I work with are mostly older, older people because I teach in the daytime, and those are retirees and such like that. We... At night, I get some young people that, that come in, and that's the main thing when you talk about how do I get beginners. We're trying to encourage, you know, young people because, I mean, I dance with people that are in their 80s and 90s, so we want to get a, a new group coming up that is going to enjoy it. And we find that in our area, I live in the Jersey Shore, there's this resurgence of, of country music, and we have country bars popping up all over the place where all these young kids come and, and want to learn dancing and I don't teach there I go there and dance and one of my students actually teaches there and you know we encourage um, I, I try to encourage the people there about you know uh, getting up and trying to dance and such like that but number one it's got to be fun it's got to be fun and uh, you know and they and I try to make them uh, like they learn rhythms so that when they're learning a dance because I do play to all kinds of music not just country but I want them to know the difference between a, a swing rhythm, a cha-cha rhythm, you know, a straight cam rhythm, stuff like that, so that if they do learn a dance and they really like it, they don't have to wait all night to dance that dance. If they hear a song that has a tempo that's similar or a style, they, we get encourage them to dance that dance. And that's what I do um, on a, I have a monthly dance, uh, a social, so to speak, and I always split the floor, and while my the people I do, I have an advanced class also, and I dance with a group called the Jersey Girls and Guys, and they do high-level dancing, so they come to the dance, and they're on my left side, and they're doing all the hard stuff, and I make sure that the people on the right side of the room can dance to that, and we do, we might do the same dance three times, but they're dancing mm-hmm. and then I'm just sitting and, that, and that's what you do and you try to encourage them you know, to dance and have fun and and I get them to try all kinds of things because I say to them you try and see if you like it if you don't well maybe it's five minutes of your life you don't get back but there'll be another dance down the road you know that type of thing so always try to keep it positive and stuff like that so. yeah at home we do a similar sort of reuse of dances where if there's a dance that's called and there's a, a, enough dance floor for other people, they'll say, oh, and you can electric slide in the back that's a little faster. You can alley cat in the back that's a little faster. You can tush push in the back. Walk and wazzy in the back, yeah. Exactly, exactly. They can feel that they're, you know, part of uh, the group and such. And some of the um, uh, beginner dances that are taught are so much fun that some of the ladies on the, the harder side will come over, you know, and join us because they're just fun. You know? So, yeah. It is, and and I like beginner working beginners because they have a um, like a joy when they're you know it's a different thing than and not to say the other dancers get jaded, but you know after a while sometimes you have to jump through hoops to get them excited about something you know or it's got to be uh, a really hot dance or something like that. Well, beginners just like they're like sponges and they want to do it as much as they can, but gotta keep it fun. I guess I gotta keep it fun. Are there any steps or substitutions that you've found keep beginners excited? Again, just like some kind of twisting motions, or in the bars, a stomp and a kick, it'll go a long way. Right, yeah. Like, um, Well, when it comes to things like that, like I said, because of this country bar, a lot of young 
grandkids and, and anything that we do, they always embellish on it. They, they like to stomp. They like to jump real high. And, you know, and it's, it's fun to watch, I think, but I, we try to say to them, like most of them are in their 20s, like I'm sure you are, and I'm in my late 60s. So I say to them, just be careful because when you're older, you're going to feel this later, you know, and such like that. But um, when I teach the group that I teach because they are older people, I just give them options. And, I, and sometimes when I work with people, they don't say, for instance, they don't like to turn so much. So I always give an option to them that, uh, you know, if you don't want to turn this way. Like, for instance, I'm sure you know this. If there's a dance that has a three-quarter turn, you go a quarter in the other direction, and you're in the same place. Yep. You know, Or if it's a full turn, you, you know, I tell them it's full turn, you don't do it. You just stay walk. still or walk, and you can tell somebody you turned so fast you didn't see me. You know, it just works. And, and as long as they feel comfortable, you know, with that. Talk about power all the time. Too many people dance staring down at their feet or someone else's feet, and it changes your whole energy level because you can't have the same breathing that you would. Your shoulders are all rounded and everything. So if you stand tall, you know, and just look straight ahead, maybe there's somebody far enough away from you to watch, but don't look down. Still things like that. So. For people who have never danced before, how do you convince them it's something they can do? Well, we could say, I mean, we start off saying basically, well, it's like walking to music. If you can walk to music and such. But let's be honest, there's going to be some people that are going to be rhythmically challenged no matter what you do. You know, they are, you know, but at the same time, if they enjoy themselves, that's fine. I mean, I've had people in my class for years and they still quite don't have everything down, but they are having a good time. So who am I to say, you know, and they, and, you know, they're having a good time, and that's really what it is. Like I say, it should be fun. Um, but for anybody else, at the beginning, you explain, I explain line dancing is, you know, it's its own little, uh, you know, genre there, type of dancing, where, especially like when I used to, you know, when you teach men, and they're used to being, you know, a leader in a, in a swing dance or whatever kind of dancing and all of a sudden they, you're telling them to follow a pattern you know and stuff like that so um, but if they have the right attitude about it if they you know you don't learn to drive you know let's say a car in, in one day I mean maybe some people do but it took me a while but I'm saying if you know when you you have to learn certain skills in the beginning or even like say a language it seems so difficult and when you're saying to somebody grapevine quarter turn shuffle coaster you know it sounds like another language but eventually it makes sense to you and it becomes what they call unconscious competence you know what they're talking about but it doesn't happen overnight I explained to everybody everybody's light turns on at a different spot you know if you get it you get it and when you do it's great so, but I'm very fortunate that the people we dance with are very um, patient with people that when they do come in, you know, they don't mind going over things again and such like that. So yeah, it's fun. And it should be fun. If there's a message that you could give to everybody in the line dance community, like all the instructors and DJs, event managers, co-choreographers, what would you want to have them all think about or maybe consider doing, changing? Changing. Anything at all. Anything that you would want to broadcast. Like almost like a giant billboard that everyone in line dance can see. Uh, well, I mean, I guess... Um, I mean, the choreography has become very, very creative. Uh, it's wonderful to see all these young people coming out, such like that. I would, coming from the background that I have, when people create something to either be creative, be different, they have to think for certain, you know, whether it be a 32 count dance, 64 count. That dance gets repeated and repeated and repeated depending how long the song is. And then if it's a popular dance and you dance more than once or twice a week, you're doing it over and over again. So just thinking about, um, you know, without. 
and I don't want to say that it sh- things shouldn't be um, interesting or so, but just thinking about uh, how it might affect, if you want everybody to be able to do it, if you're just uh, going for a smaller audience, it's one thing, but having options, you know, a dance that has options for people that, you know, to be called cool, cool, inclusive kind of thing, or, you know, and I don't, when you ask me what do I want to change, it's like, what can I do to change the world? So I wasn't expecting this question, but it's just a way to uh, try to make it more inclusive for people that it's not, oh, I can't do that. Like, for lots of times, people can do a dance, but when they see it, like, people are, you know, like, they see a demo, and it's just so embellished that, you know, and if there's a way that maybe we could do it, you know, one way and then do it another. Like, I try to demo a lot of times with the the, the great choreographers, like, like Rachel and, and I. T- today I did something with Shane. I mean, I'm three times his age. <laughs> but I want people to see that are out there, well, this is what he does, and this is what, you know, the average person can do. Because I'm certainly not a fabulous dancer, but I can, you know, interpret what's what's being done and have fun. And so, so, and so I guess it's just thinking of everybody. Well, no, it's not easy, but thinking of a lot of people if that's possible. I wouldn't put it on a billboard, but <laughs> get the message out there, you know, where something that, um, you know, uh, people, and not every dance they do, but something like that, or if they even had a, a beginner dance in mind when they do a dance. I know Rachel does that sometimes, and other people have created a dance and then created a, a comparable dance that people can do at the same time, hmm. like that, you know. So, if people wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way people could do that? Email, Facebook, anything like that? Yeah, Facebook. I have lots of friends. They, you know, Rosie Moltari on Facebook. Or if they went to my website, the New York State of Line.com, there's been a way to connect to me. I haven't done a personal page on that right now. The whole thing is based on on my one year event, the once a year one year. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing to have a one year event, once a year event, an annual event? But um, I'm hoping down the road to have a page about you know things that I'm doing or uh, you know dances I've choreographed stuff like that. So. And is there an email address attached to that website? Or? Yes, it's okay. basically rosiemultari at gmail. Great, okay, rosiemultari. And that's how do you spell rosiemultari? R O S I E M U L T A R I. All right, one more little tiny question. What dance would you recommend everyone go out and learn right now? <laughs> well, if I wanted to self-promote, I would mention one of my easy dances, which is called Gloria. Uh, it's a, the old song Gloria by, um, of course, the name is Casey, but I do it to the Glee cast um, because it's just step touches. It's a very easy dance. But there are just, gosh, there's so many. And what do we have, 80,000 dancers out there? You know, Young Copper, something like that. Right, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's whatever floats your boat. If you like, you know, there's some, you probably, if you like a song, you can probably find a dance to it. And you can find an instructor out there that will teach it to you. You know, But think about learning how to dance, not just learning a dance. Learning to dance, you know, in a, in a fun way. Thank you so much for sitting down and, and talking about line dancing with me here. Well, thank you, Christopher, for answering. It's wonderful. See you on the dance floor. I will. Welcome back to the Line Dance Podcast. We have a very special epilogue with Rosie Moltari. And she has the story of how she got started in line dance. From the fitness and exercise world, she made a, a transition. And what was the story of that transition? Well, um, I, because I was involved in fitness and the actual state rep of an organization in New Jersey, there was a video company um, 
that their main client was Denise Austin. And they asked, you know, they hired me to choreograph her videos. So for three years, I choreographed uh, fitness videos for her. And in uh, the end of 92, uh, she decided she wanted to do a country western video because Iggy Breaky Hat was out and everything else. And I had to learn line dancing quickly to convert it to a fitness video. So I, I traveled uh, to Texas, to Gillies uh, in Fort Worth. I, I went to Nashville. I met um, Melanie Greenwood, who choreographed Iggy Breaky Heart. And I just learned as much as I could, and I created a fitness video. And she wound up having a number one fitness country video, uh, you know, that year in 93. But what was interesting, and, and we filmed the video on the old, op the Grand Ole Opry, the original Grand Ole Opry stage. So, you know, got to work there. And then from that, when the video did so well, I got hired by a manager of the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. And I, they wanted to do a fitness video with a country theme. So it was very exciting. I, they flew me down to Dallas where I had to audition. I had to audition with the director, the 36 Dallas Cheer, Cowboy Cheerleaders, pick six of them, then choreograph a video for them. And... During the course of that, I also, um, with the organization that I was in, we had a state rep from every um, United States, uh, and we decided we were going to do a fundraiser for Make-A-Wish Foundation, so I suggested a country-western video of line dances. So that developed. We had 30 people involved in that, and we did a, a fitness video, raised a bunch of money for that. So all this stuff, I had to learn line dancing in order to do the things that I did, and I, I wound up falling in love with it. So I started teaching in January of 93, and I haven't stopped yet. So I uh, met wonderful people, and um, through the course of you know doing all these other other things, so it's been great. Yeah. Uh, any other special facts or tidbits about Rosie Multari that, that we should know? Uh, so, you know? The sad thing is Rosie Multari never kept a journal. So I say all these things. Like I could tell you when I was 13 years old in 1963, I was president of the Rolling Stones fan club in Brooklyn, New York. Yes, yeah, I, I met the Stones a couple of times. I and the only reason I was is because I wanted to be the president of the Beatles. <laughs> and there was a DJ called Murray the K in New York. And I called him up and said, I want to be the president of the Beatles fan club. He goes, I'm sorry, there's somebody doing that already. He said, but this is other group that's going to show up before the Beatles. Would you be interested? I said, oh, okay. And I went to the airport when they came in with the other people. And I met Mick Jagger and, and all of them, and Brian Jones. And, and I was all of 13 years old. And I did it for two years. And... You know, I had a wonderful time, sold at concerts, and then when I raised enough money uh, from running the account, I had enough money to buy a ticket to see the Beatles at Shea Stadium, and then I dropped the stones like a hot potato, because I got to see the Beatles yep. <laughs> at 15, yeah, so things like that. I, I've always enjoyed things with music and things like that, so yeah. It's been fun. And I've, I've done other things. I was on the Governor's Council of Fitness, President's Council of Fitness. I met Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was the head of the... All this other stuff. I've had a really interesting life. But with the line dancing, has really brought me in a world where I've met people literally from around the world. And I've gotten... I've traveled to China, to Singapore, to Malaysia, all over Europe, Canada. You know, it's just... It's been wonderful. And, and then my own backyard. So, it's fun. It's fun. I got to meet you. Hey, I'm glad I, I got to meet you. <laughs> if it was a line dance, we might never have met. Yeah, so 
that's fine. That's All fine. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> I look forward to seeing you at the next event. It should be in uh, just a few weeks now. Yes, you're going to Motor City Dance yes. Classic. I've got a free pass, and uh, I'll be I'll there. Be, I won that at Big Bang, which is another line dance event. Yeah, I'll be really there too. Just trying to trying to hit all of them. <laughs> That's great. Maybe one day you'll come to New York State of Line. <laughs> hey, I hope so. Yeah, All right. Well, thanks. I'll see you out there. Thanks, Kristen.